Hi, I'm Samantha. Hi, I'm Sarah. And, and we, we are, are the, the Doom, Doom Crew. Damn you! Hey nerds, welcome to this week's episode of The Doom Crew. I'm Samantha, and today I'll be talking about the tragic murder of a trans teen. And I'm Sarah, and I will be talking about the murder of a second grade teacher. Yikes. Buckle up, everyone. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You can go. Okay. Um, This is another case that was recommended to me by Rachel. So, Rachel, thanks. (laughs) You'll see. Nikki G. Kuhnhausen was born on July 6th, 2001. In 2019, she was a bright, popular girl who was especially close to her mother. They talked on the phone every day. Nikki was transgender, 17 years old, stood about 5 foot 8, had black hair and hazel eyes. Nikki was staying with friends the summer after her junior year of high school. She was going to turn 18 that summer, um, but she did not make it to her high school graduation. Oh, God. Yeah. In June of 2019, Nikki went missing. Nikki's mother and stepfather, Lisa and Vincent Woods, searched endlessly for their daughter. They helped pass out over 2,400 flyers at pride parades, local Starbucks, and other small businesses desperate for any tips about Nikki's whereabouts. The National Women's Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation called N.W. Cave, joined the search for Nikki in late June. They established a Facebook page called Help Find Nikki to help bring awareness to the public. They orchestrated wide-reaching search efforts in collaboration with other anti-violence organizations. They'd worked LGBTQ plus cases previously, but none with someone this young. Yeah, she's a baby. Yeah. Also in late June, Detective David Jensen met with friends of Nikki's named Faith and Tiffany, who mentioned that she'd been talking with a Russian man via Snapchat on Faith's phone. Why on Faith's phone? Unclear. Okay. Yeah. Um, The police drew up a search warrant for Snapchat, and Snapchat responded the same day. So they asked for all the files that, like, would have deleted from, like, the chat that would go away immediately or whatever, because that's where they'd been chatting. So they subpoenaed, um, not Facebook, Snapchat. Um, They received the geolocations for a man named David Bogdanov the night that Nikki went missing. Snapchat showed that David was at his brother Stan's house near an area south of where Nikki was staying with friends. On June 28th, the police attempted to contact David, but they wouldn't be able to bring him in for an interview until October. Holy shit, that's a long time. Yeah. On October 2nd, 2019, police interview David. David confirmed that he did meet Nikki on the day she went missing but that he didn't kill her. He told police that he and Nikki went to a residence in the country, and at that time, Nikki confirmed that she was biologically male. David said that made him, quote-unquote, really, really uncomfortable and disturbed him. 
He claims that he asked Nikki to get out of his van and that she did and walked away. He said he never saw her after that. Okay, so he left her in the middle of the country. Is it what he's claiming? Yes. Okay. On December 7th, human remains were discovered in a wooded area on Larch Mountain, a remote part of Clark County in Washington. There was a tangled cell phone charger near the body. Cell phone records would later place David in that same remote area on June 6th, 2019. After forensic analysis, it was confirmed that the remains were Nikki's and that she'd been strangled with the phone cord that lay next to her. Oh. Yeah. According to Michelle Bart, the president and co-founder of the NW Cave, um, she said that this was not the first time that Nikki had experienced a hate crime since she started identifying as a girl in sixth grade. In 2018, just a year before this, Nikki was shot Six times. Holy shit, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, six times and survived. Before going missing, she was just getting over the emotional trauma of that incident. Uh, Michelle Bart said the NW Cave would continue to represent the Woods family throughout this ordeal. David Bogdanov was arrested on December 17th, charged with second-degree murder. Prosecutors later amended the charge to include a single count of malicious harassment, a hate crime offense. A Clark County Superior Judge set a $750,000 bail for Bogdanov. A bail review hearing was held two weeks after prosecutors had requested and were granted a no-bail hold in the case. Judge David Gregerson said that the bail was appropriate because Bogdanov lacked criminal history. So he was saying that, like, there was no bail needed because he had no criminal history. And then two weeks later, they said it to, uh... They said it, yeah, at 750000 In my opinion, I don't care if you've never been caught before. If you're responsible for someone dying, you should stay in custody until, like, trial. trial. Yeah. yeah, it just seems safer. Makes sense. Right? Like, yeah. I don't care that it's your first time offense. You should... It's for murder. Correct! <laughs> it's like, not like you... Hello? First time offense, drug driving. First time offense... For anything else. Sure. For murder? No. You should You should stay in custody. Just in case. Yeah. You already did it once. We don't need a repeat. Okay. There was a vigil for Nikki held on December 20th. Nikki's mom, Lisa, told the media before the vigil started, she didn't deserve this. That hatred, the last thing she felt on this earth, yes, she was murdered out of hatred because she was transgender. At the trial, David claimed self-defense. He tried to claim that Nikki reached for a loaded gun in his front seat, so to prevent her from reaching it, he used a cell phone charging cord to hold her back by her shoulders but it slipped up to her neck, unintentionally strangling her. That checks out. Yeah, like when's that the last time you tried to prevent someone from getting somewhere with a cell phone cord? When's the last time I had a loaded gun in my front seat? When's the last <laughs> time you accidentally strangled someone that takes several minutes? Yeah, when's the last That's time? That's not I an immediate thing. No, this doesn't happen. No, this guy's a fucking idiot. After Nikki died... 
David dumped her body down the hillside of Larch Mountain and then booked a one-way flight home to Ukraine. And he called a friend to, quote-unquote, get rid of his car. He returned about six weeks later. Oh, that's why they couldn't? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. The prosecution noted in closing arguments that David lied to police multiple times over the course of their investigation. The defense said that this was because he didn't want his family to know he'd had sexual contact with someone who was born with male genitalia. He testified that he would have been shunned if his family found out. Boo fucking who? Okay, so they had sexual intercourse and then he killed her. That is his version of events, yes. That they had, like, started doing stuff. And then she confirmed that she had biologically, okay. Yes. I'm guessing maybe... It, it doesn't matter what happened. No, no, but, but yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, yeah. Okay. But like, boo fucking who? Someone died. Get over yourself. Well, I guess. In, in, your family would shun you. I guess. Okay, so your family is cool with you just off of people? Yeah, so your family's fine that you murdered someone so that you aren't gay. Oh, good thing we cleared that up. Um, his defense was obviously complete bullshit, and luckily, David was found guilty and was sentenced, um, it was just up to 19 years in prison. It wasn't considered first degree. Because it wasn't premeditated. Correct. They're saying it was like a spur of the moment thing. I believe that. That does seem to be true. I don't feel like that's enough time for any second degree murder. No. Ever. No. But I believe that that was... Probably not premeditated. Yeah. Michelle Bart, um, again, of NW Cave, said, We're going to make sure that there's justice for Nikki and that this doesn't continue happening on our soil here or anywhere else for that matter. She's not the only one this has happened to. It seems like Clark County, all of a sudden, all these cases are sparking people to say, Oh my God, that happened here? Yes, that happened here. Hate exists, and we need to eradicate hate. We need to set a precedent that we can't allow this to continue. They took a beautiful life, and that's not right. In February of 2020, Washington State became the 10th state to pass a bill protecting LGBTQ plus attackers from using a defense based on the discovery or disclosure of the victim's actual or perceived gender identity or sexual orientation. Basically, an attacker cannot use the panic defense. Their Senate passed the bill on a bipartisan 46 to 3 vote. The bill was introduced before Nikki w- had disappeared, but it was named the Nikki Kuhnhausen Act based on efforts from Nikki's mom. That's awesome. Yeah. Democratic Senator Annette Cleveland said, By all accounts, Nikki would be alive today if not for a homophobia-based assault on her life. And I suspect so would others who have been similarly victimized. The terrible truth is that vicious assaults have been perpetrated against transgender people as well as others in the LGBTQ community for far too long. This bill is a start. It's long overdue and we must still do more. Democratic Senator Derek Stanford sponsored the bill in early 2019 as a House member and helped move it through the Senate after his appointment in July of 2019. He said, I believe that the policy in this bill is very simple. 
we're just saying that learning someone's sexual orientation or gender identity does not justify committing an act of violence against them. It's strange that we would need a law to say this. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's strange that we would need a law to say this, but we have seen this reasoning used as a defense to try to justify, mitigate, or excuse the most horrendous acts of violence. And when that defense is used, it's a way of saying that those lives have no value. Governor Jay Inslee signed the bill to make it a law soon after the bill passed. It went into effect in June of 2020. Nikki's mom, Lisa, said, This bill isn't going to bring my daughter back, but what I hope is that it will keep other families from experiencing the same kind of pain that I feel. The states which have legislatively banned the use of gay or transgender panic as a legal defense are California, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, and now Washington. And that's the horrible story of Nikki Kuhnhausen. Um, fuck off, Rachel. With all my heart and love. If I'm loving my heart, fuck off. Yeah. Um, horrible. So, it was short, but... Thank goodness something came out of her passing. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And, um, not that it matters. It brings no more value or less value to her life, but she was really beautiful. I totally looked her up. Yeah. I always look up the victims. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm always like... (laughs) <laughs> and see what these people look like yeah not like that matters i just i right. like visuals. exactly i'm like exactly i need to like connect visually and yeah i just thought she was like striking you know what's crazy hmm. and actually this we can leave this on or cut it out okay i haven't looked up my own victim yeah i don't know what she looks like oh okay <laughs> now i'm gonna <laughs> all right tell me a story Gotta itch my boob first. Hot. <laughs> I'm not cutting that. I don't care. <laughs> it needed... It, it happened. It okay. had to happen. Yeah. Okay. Irene Garza was born on November 15th, 1934, to parents Nicholas and Josephine Garza. From birth to teenage years, Irene lived in Southside McAllen, Texas, which is like a hop, skip, and a jump from the border between... Texas and Mexico. Oh, okay. I was like, which border? There's a few states. like, that. And also a country. The country. Gotcha. Um, when she was a teenager, her parents had been working her whole life towards making their dry cleaning business profitable. And when she was a teenager, that finally happened. And they were able to move to the more affluent area, Northside, McAllen, Texas. Oh, Wow. Um, in high school, Irene was the first Latina to perform as a drum majorette. Damn, girl. I was she, a drum major. Mm, I didn't do none of that. Uh, Wait, she, did you say I did know that? Or I did? didn't do none of that. My grandma was on point. Oh. Yeah. I was so excited we were talking about me for a hot second. I'm sorry. I'm an asshole. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you didn't know? Let me tell you about it. I Jesus have pictures. Christ. So, I did know. Yeah. It was your contact. Anyways, okay. Uh Uh-huh. 
So she graduated from McAllen High School and went to Pan America College in 1958. She was crowned as Miss All South Texas Sweetheart. And then while attending college, she was crowned homecoming queen. Ooh. Once graduating, Irene got a job as a second grade teacher in McAllen. But in her spare time, she taught recently immigrated students English on the south side of McAllen. Okay. Um, Her first paycheck was used entirely to purchase school supplies for students on the south side. Oh. So she's like a a really good person. Super nice. Yes. And she she still lived at home with her parents, so she was able to do that. Nice. So she did. No, I'm not paying for someone else's crotch goblins. (laughs) Personally, she I'm mad her. that I have to pay taxes to schools that I don't use. I know you're talking about letting my kid go there. So, you know, anyways, well, yeah, then so, I would be okay with paying for it. But like, if he doesn't, I'm just paying for someone else's sex products to learn shit, and it's not going well. No, not here. No, I just meant this country. That's what I meant. Not here. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Um. So obviously, she had a heart of gold, but she was extremely shy. Um, at the time of her death, she was working to become more confident. She took the position of secretary of the PTA and she attended daily mass and communion at her local Catholic church. Listen, daily is just too much. I mean, that's serious commitment. That is. That's some commitment. I, okay. On Saturday, April 16th, 1960, Irene had plans to go to Sacred Heart Church, attend confession, and then go with her friend Maria to the movies. What were they going to see? Do you know? No, I don't know. Okay. Um, she called the number for Sacred Heart Church and asked to speak with Father Richard Junis, the priest whom she preferred to hear her confession. She also needed to talk with him about the upcoming Easter egg hunt she was preparing for local families. Oh, she my God. Literally heart of gold. Yeah, I'm like, so... She goes to church every day. She buys school supplies for underprivileged children. She teaches them English. And she's hosting the Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. She did it all. Listen, if you had watched The Good Place already, this lady would go to The Good Place. Anywho. Um, (laughs) We'll talk about it in chit-chat. Sounds good. (laughs) But it wasn't Father Junis that answered, but Father John Bernard Fites, a visiting priest who made rounds at three parishes, one of them being Sacred Heart. Father Fight explained that Father Junis was already hearing confessions, but Irene was more than welcome to meet with him. Irene then walked the 12 blocks to church. So she's walking 12 blocks a day. That's like a mile. 24 blocks. That's like, yeah, like... 12, 10 to 12 blocks is like a mile in my little town, which is what I'm imagining this is kind of like. I don't know. But 24 a day. Anyways. Okay. To give her confession, she arrived there just before 7. She was met by fight on her way to the confessional line. Together, the two headed off to the rectory, which is like a small parish house where Mm -hmm. the clergymen live. A little after 8 that night, Maria headed home from the theater alone. Irene had never showed up. Maria figured she became involved in something at her church and decided she would call her friend tomorrow. There's just so little accountability in the 60s. But also, her church was her everything. Yeah. 
And how would she have reached her to say, hey, I'm caught up with something at the church? Right. No, so, that's that's what I mean, though. Like, there, there was, was no, no way. Con- connectivity. You'd no. never know. No. So she just, I'll just talk to her tomorrow. It's that's fine. That's why how so many fucking people go missing. I know. In the old days. By midnight, Irene's parents were equally as worried, but similarly guessed that Irene had stayed for midnight mass. Oh, my God. Yeah. They thought that she was there from 7 to midnight. For, for midnight mass. At 3 a.m., her parents couldn't wait any longer, and they went to the McAllen Police Department and filed missing persons. Seems fair. Um, I wanted them to go five hours ago. Yeah, well, they figured she was at church, because daughter's committed. Um, Irene was noticed wherever she went. Those waiting in line for, her, for their confession the night of her disappearance recalled a few key details. Father Fight's line was moving incredibly slow. Hampered by the priest's odd habits of leaving the confessional only to return a few moments later. Except for once, he did not return. Witnesses saw him intercept Irene at the doors. From there, the pair headed across the lawn to the rectory. Around 8 in the evening, three priests returned from the rectory, one of them being Fight. Irene was not with them. A fellow father said that over coffee after midnight mass, Fight remarked on Irene's appearance, saying there was a young woman who had desired to have her confession heard in the rectory. Fight said he told her to go to the church and wait in line like the other members. The same priest to whom Fight had explained the odd occurrence informed authorities that Fight had noticeable scratches on his hand that morning. One priest in particular Reverend Joseph O'Brien was suspicious, especially that Fight had made numerous trips that evening and night using the parish car, which was what they all shared, their shared vehicle. So he made several trips in the car. That they all share. After midnight mass. No, before midnight mass. Oh, throughout the evening. Throughout the evening. Got it, got it. Yep. Meanwhile, police were searching the area surrounding the house and the church, two blocks from Sacred Heart, Irene's car was located on, which is bizarre to me that that's mentioned, considering they also say she walked it. We're just going to cut that part. Just going to. They Wait, they said something about her car? Her car. <coughs> yeah, they said she walked. Yeah. Yeah, we'll cut that. Cut that. Okay. Um, on April 18th, a most terrifying trail was uncovered that continued for several hundred yards down McAllen Road. First. What kind of trail? First, a passerby found her purse followed by her shoe a few yards later. Next came her lace mass veil laying in the grass. It was the first physical evidence discovered in connection with the missing Irene Garza. Police escalated the case, resulting in the most extensive search the Rio Grande Valley has ever seen. Yikes. Yeah. On April 21st, 1960, four days later, Irene's body was found. Miles from the stretch of road where her belongings had been uncovered. Mm. Irene was discovered floating in a canal. Oh, God. Most evidence had been washed away, but her body still held many details. Yeah. The coroner determined her time of death to be around 7.30 in the evening on Saturday, April 16th, the night of her disappearance. 7.30. She had been beaten, raped, and finally suffocated to death before being dumped in the canal. Oh, my God. God. Strangulation did not seem to cause her suffocation. 
Instead, the coroner believed a cloth was placed over her nose and mouth. Oh, my God. Two priests from Sacred Heart identified the body in place of her devastated parents. Oh. The Garza family gathered together at her parents' house. When police told the couple of their daughter's discovery, Josefina let out a long, a quote, this is in quotes, a long, awful moan from deep inside her body, almost like the howl of a wolf, mm. said to be like nothing they had ever heard or ever heard again. Yeah. Um, I specifically remember I was um, I was with someone. This is, I'm not equating a dog to a human by any means. You're laughing. I, I was with someone when their dog died. And the the moan I can still hear it. The Their sound that they made. Yes. I, I still know what that sounded like and I've never heard it since. Like I can only imagine what that would sound like from a parent. I can't. I can't no. I can't. No. God, that's horrible. Um in time over five hundred individuals would be interviewed and fifty polygraphs would be performed. But police suspicion never strayed far from John Fight. Any hair, fingerprints, or semen belonging to her attacker had been washed away in the canal. Ugh. But the murky pool did turn up one thing. The police drained the canal. They found a photo slide viewer that had belonged to Priest Fight. Gotcha. They suspected that its cord had been tied around Irene's body, used as a weight to try and hold it down. Oh, my God. Evidence continued to stack up against a fight with the members' allegations of his leaving, Mm -hmm. the other priests noticing the scratches, and then that cord. Um, One teenage parish member told authorities that she had previously felt uncomfortable around fight after her confession... He told her from the, con- oh my God, this is creepy. Okay. He told her from the secluded confines of the confessional, I need to talk to you after confession. So wait for me. She didn't stay. She went home right away. She was, she was so smart. She ran. Yeah. She She's said, like, uh, no, thank you. I did my confession. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Give me Hail Mary's and let me leave. <laughs> please, please goodbye. At another church where fate was in attendance, a girl named Maria America Guerrera sexually assaulted while kneeling at the communion rail. Hmm. Fight was strongly suspected as the attacker, but priests discouraged church members from spreading gossip that a member of the cloth could commit such a crime. Fuck off. The incident occurred only three weeks before Irene's death. Shut the... Oh my God. When investigators questioned Fight, he denied having met with Irene. He explained away the scratches on his hand by saying that he was worked up from confession and had to drive around the parish car to cool down. However, he noticed how sweaty he was from driving and decided to change his clothes. Finding his building locked and himself without a key, he climbed up a tree into the second story window and that's where he scratched his hand. If When the story's that elaborate, it's fucking fake. Yeah. Oh my God. Later, he told police another story about the house. The brick scratching him during his ascent. Please go fuck yourself. How many people were at this church that you could have gone back and, and been like, hey, man, 
I'm locked out. Kinna gets the key? Probably some of you other fuckers have a key to this place. It's not just mine. Nope. There and, and, you're, and you're a visitor, so. Correct. You know, they, no. Jesus. Yep. Fuck you. Okay. Um, so. What a giant piece of shit. U.S. Border Patrol agent Harry Cecil interrogated fight for 12 hours. The conversation ended with fight stating, you will never convict me of anything. Oh, please go fuck yourself. That's my favorite song. When authorities turned up to examine the parish car, it had been thoroughly cleaned inside and out. Investigators diligently worked together evidence against fight, but he was soon transferred from Sacred Heart to Loyola University in Chicago, where he would study more seminary. Meanwhile, police were still working on both Irene's case and Maria's rape case. In 1962, the rape case was brought first, ending in a hung jury. Fight didn't want to face jury again, so he decided to plead no contest to a misdemeanor charge of aggravated assault. So he had a $500 fucking fine and his freedom. I hate everything. After the case concluded, Fight bounced from position to position. He was once at monasteries in Dubuque, Iowa, Missouri, at each... He was counseled for his previous missteps at the Servants of Paris Light in 1966. He was in charge of supervising other priests who had sexually assaulted church members, many of them children. He was in charge of determining whether they would be released back into duty. Oh my God. He left the priesthood in 1972, got married, had three children, became a director of volunteers for the Society of Vincent de Paul in Phoenix, where he relentlessly advocated for the poor. Fuck you. Please go fuck yourself. <clears throat> so when fight left. Oh, my God. I'm just I just okay, really hate this. I know this is a dumb question. He was a white man, right? Yes. Yeah, that fucking makes sense. Yeah. When fight left the priesthood. Those who once kept his secret felt less inclined to do so. But they kept him for so fucking long. Anyways. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Um, Reverend Joseph O'Brien at Father Sacred Heart in 1960 told police and Irene Garza's cousin how Fight had once admitted to the murder. But mm. at the time, various reasons kept him from reporting the confession to investigators. There is no reason to stop yourself from telling... Anyone that someone killed someone. I just, I can't phrase that in a nice way, but like, yeah. no. Nope. But at oh the time, various reasons, man. There were various reasons. Various reasons. Like, you like know. Like the church wouldn't tell yeah, them not to. Yeah, no, the church. It's super important to make sure that murderers and sexual abusers get to just keep doing what they do. It's fine. Yep. Another man. Never mind the fucking children. Another man mm-hmm. in an Abbey of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Recalled how Fight once told him he was aroused by women with high heels who walked on hard floors. Yeah, me too, but guess what? I didn't kill any. He had the sexual compulsion to attack women from behind, particularly when he knelt behind them in church. No. Then maybe you shouldn't have this position. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't be in a position of power in a church. (sighs) Okay. Um, Jesus fucking Christ. To the guy from the Abbey of Missouri... I'm just the one wait. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Fight detailed the events of Irene's death. After Irene's confession, he, quote, subdued her, took part of her clothes off from the waist up, and then fondled her breast, after which he put her in the rectory basement. 
finished hearing confessions, then moved Irene to his apartment. By then, it was early Easter Sunday morning in his bathroom. He placed Irene in a bag. She protested, saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Fight held her there so that she could partake in Easter services. When he returned, she was dead. Taking the parish car once more, Fight moved Irene's body to the trunk, patting her on the breast while remarking, everything will be okay. Fight never told this gentleman the name of his victim, though he had guessed based on the date of his arrival and the disappearance and murder of Irene. When he asked him why he wasn't in jail, Fight simply stated, the church is behind me. In April 2002, this gentleman told his story to the police. Irene's case, which had sat cold for over four decades, was reopened. By that time, however, police were reluctant to bring the case before a grand jury. They claimed early police work on the case was poor. There was no physical evidence. And O'Brien, the star witness, the original priest, Mm -hmm. was suffering from severe dementia. Fuck. Fight for his part, glumly said, the man doesn't exist anymore. It would be another decade. Oh my God. Before interest rose once again with a campaign by district court judge Ricardo Rodriguez to unseat the district attorney who chose not to try a fight. Justice for the Garza family took center stage. Rodriguez won and fight was arrested in February 2016. God. The 83 year old man was extradited from his home in Scottsdale, Arizona and pleaded not guilty in Texas. With that one gentleman's testimony, it was in a closed disposition on December 7th. He was convicted of Irene Garza's murder. The next day, he was sentenced to life in prison. He served three years before dying. Before fucking dying. On February 12th, 2020, he died. Did he at least die from COVID or something that was painful? No. Just as he died. Just outside Huntsville, Texas. I forgot how worked up this case got me. Yeah, yeah. As I'm just sitting here like, fuck this guy. This is the worst. No, it's really bad. It was really fucking bad. I remember doing the research and being like, oh my God, like this girl like dedicated her fucking life to this. And he just, he took it. It just just took her life. It meant nothing to him. Meant nothing. And it continued to mean nothing. And the church covered it up. Shocker. So, oh my God. Exactly. Like, shocker. Who's surprised? Raise your hand. If anyone's hand is up, you're new here. (laughs) Jesus. I'm so like, wow, fuck that. Yep. So. All right. I I need a drink. Yep, you want to go drink? Yeah. 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 You handled both of these cases extremely well. I'm very proud of it. Man. Let's go get a drink. Okay, bye. Uh, glad we could get a drink after... That shit show. Your horrible story. Yours wasn't great. No, mine wasn't great. No, neither were great. Ugh, this sucked. Dooms. Doomy shit. Doomy shit. That's right. Very doom crew. Yeah. Ugh. It was on point. My next episode's super short. And mine is super long. I'm very excited. Like, because in mine, in my next one, no one dies. Oh, really? No one. Oh, no. Two people die in my next one. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I knew what I signed up for when we started this podcast, so. Yeah, the only off... I would like to do an um, episode on two different topics, and we've talked about it before, but we need to, like, schedule okay. it in. Sure. Um, do conspiracy theories. Yes. Because I find those interesting as fuck, and if you have a request, please send them our way. Doesn't oh mean we're going to do them. Yeah. But I want more ideas. And then I want to do natural disasters. Um, yeah. I feel like you should do derechos. Oh my god, I should. You should. I think that would help you with your PTSD on storms. Maybe. Maybe. Or like, make it worse. That's valid. Since it's all derecho based. I know, that's why I thought it would help, is to like overcome your, you know, you know, you know. I mean, I get it. I do. I understand what you're saying. Do ya? I do. <laughs> yeah. I did this little hand flip and Sarah made fun of my hand flip with her own hand flip. But if only this were a visual media. I know. We should do one of those sometime. Yeah. Well, we have, um, like, a Zoom call part of our Patreon. Don't forget. Yeah, the only person who's part of it is Kyla, and we could just... So far. We could just FaceTime her. So if anybody else joins, we will have to do a call. Yes. (coughs) Should we cut that out that there's only one person? No. We're very small. I think this is understood. (laughs) But we are international, baby! Yes. Oh, the other thing. So Spotify collects information about our listeners. Yes. They give us some data. One of them was geography. So, you know. So we know that we have um, at least one listener in... Australia. Yep. Australia. G'day. Uh, We have one. Yes. No. I was saying hello to them. I know. I'm not that stupid. (laughs) No, I know that. But let it be. It's staying. Okay, go ahead. G'day, Australia. We also have someone in Sweden. Hello. <laughs> and someone in South Africa. This is so exciting. Um, yes, it is very exciting. But also we have someone who's between the ages of 0 and 17. Oh my God. Please, where are your parents? Don't, Stop. Don't listen. No, this is not age appropriate for you. No. At least one listener. I think it's only one. Yeah, I think so too. Like We can't see the exact number. We just see it in like the form of a percentage. So it says and, like less than 1%. Which is great, because that's between zero and who knows how many people. Yeah. We're hoping none. So stop listening. Yeah, stop it. I'm telling your mom. If I can figure out who you are. I can only assume it's probably my nephew or niece. Yeah. This is fair. And their mom would not care. So. No, not one bit. <laughs> um, but use your judgment, kids. Listen yes. to something else. Um, this is dark. So it is another nighttime recording. It is. It is. Back on our regular schedule. Yes. I was just going to say back to normal. Yeah. Mornings aren't for us. I think we did well. Yeah. Uh, I think we did fine for having a morning chit chat, but like a morning episode is, that's not how I want to start my day learning about a murder. No. Although I I will say when I'm driving to work, I do put on true crime podcasts. Sam's. Yeah. I'm usually in the car with you. So checks out. My laundry is very loud, so if you hear it banging in the background, I apologize, folks. You shan't. Now they don't. Nope. Look at you, closing doors and such. So smart. Is the laundry room door shut? Nope. Why does no one shut that door? Why do people, why would they? To drown out the noise. That's why it has a door, so that you don't have to hear it. Well, I feel like... That's the purpose. Biter, Lavender. Biter. <laughs> she would <laughs> never bite her mama. Who do you think she would pick first on who not to bite, me or you? You. <laughs> I was just kidding. No, I'm not. She's a little turd. 
She loves you so much. You're like, you're special. So like when you come over, she's like, yes, I love Aunt Sarah. I'm going to sleep with Aunt Sarah. I'm going to cuddle Aunt Sarah. And then when I'm here, she's like, I mean, you're here all the time. So. You're my mom. Yeah. Yeah, Potter does like to cuddle with you. Yeah. But he's always going to pick his mom. Hades, yeah. on the other hand, is going to pick Hades. none of us and he's going to go with Jackson. Yeah. The other night, Jackson and BJ were play fighting. Yeah. And Hades jumped on BJ's back. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> He's like, um, excuse me, that is not acceptable. Yeah, we don't play like that in this house. That is my baby. Yeah. For a long time, he was like, let it happen, let it happen. And then I think mm-hmm. finally he was like, all right, I don't like how long this is happening. Yeah. They're still playing. I don't like it. This is too much. It's violent. Mm-hmm. So at night when Jackson goes to bed, we read stories. Yeah. But then also he'll tell stories. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, his most recent one was one time... Once upon a time, a long time ago. Yeah, I <laughs> love that's how he starts every story. Every story. There was a little boy named Jackson. Weird. Yeah. And a man named Daddy. Whoa. <laughs> a man named Daddy. And Daddy took Jackson to school. <gasps> and Jackson had poopy on his head. Oh, no. <laughs> and he goes on to tell me how every person told him that he had poopy on his head. Oh. And how the people say poopy is different. So, like, one kid from his class says poo-poo. So Jackson changed it to poo-poo on his head. Oh my god. His imagination. I I don't know. And then I he, like that he gave them different um I, I don't want to say voices like physical voices, but like a voice of a Yeah. Your personality. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. And I had to listen to every single person comment on the fact that he had poop in his hair. What did Miss Mana say? Bro, you have poop in your hair. <laughs> Realistic. Realistic. It was really funny. That's amazing. He's so cute. Then mommy came to get him. And then a woman named mommy came to get him. Oh, wow. A woman named mommy. She washed his hair. That's very nice. I was like, it's good to know daddy's sending you to school shit in your hair. Yeah. That's where you're at. Yeah. That's what you think is going to happen, huh? When really, let's be honest here, daddy is the clean freak. Correct. Mommy's not going to send you obviously to school with shit in your hair. But if you have like food on your face, I give zero fucks. Daddy, on the other hand. Yeah. Uh, when daddy gets you dressed, you are going to match, be branded up, and look good. Yeah, when mommy gets you dressed, sometimes it's you'll a look rush. It's fine, though. I let him get himself dressed and pick out his own clothes. Yeah, he's five. He needs to learn independence, and this is a great step. And he likes picking out his own clothes. Yeah, of course he does. He gets to pick out his own shirt. Sometimes it looks real stupid, and I'm just like, mm, you look dumb. Yeah. But I don't say anything unless it's not weather appropriate. If it's weather yeah. appropriate, I don't care. You wear your St. Patrick's Day shirt tomorrow. I don't care. Yeah. Daddy doesn't like that. And I'm like, mm. but I'm not also going to have him only wear He's that shirt five. one time. Yeah. That's stupid. He's five years old. Like, that's some of my favorite posts um, from uh, one of my friends from high school is she lets her... I think she's three, maybe four now. She lets her daughter pick out her own clothes. And so sometimes she's wearing, like, leggings and a tutu. And, oh, they got to... For example... They got to dress up as their favorite holiday the other day. Girl wore a dinosaur Halloween costume <laughs> to school. Like she's my hero. <laughs> yeah, she is just very like true to herself. I think that like helping or letting kids pick out their clothes helps them understand who they are and what they like. You know, Jackson likes to look homeless like his mom. Yeah, well, what's he modeling it after? <laughs> his mom, homeless mom. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no. Daddy picks out clothes. He's going to go looking sharp as shit. Mommy picks it out and 
Who knows what's going to happen? It looks like picture day every time BJ would get him ready for school. Yes. That's too much. Right. And his shoes have to be branded and match. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying his shoes cannot match. I just mean that, like, the shoes will coordinate with, with the, the outfit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. His picture day outfit, he washed his shoes so that his shoes matched, were, were matching, like, because he had a Dixon flannel on, had a yeah. red thing, and then he wore Vans, but he had to, he had the red thing on the Vans to match the red on the Dixon, and then he cleaned the Vans so that they were nice and white, and I was like... right. It's very important. I would have sent you him got his, his school pictures back, right? Not yet. Oh, I thought you did. Like I saw them. I haven't picked them yeah. up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? You didn't send those to me. No, I sent them to BJ, and he was in the I car know, with you. I know, but I didn't get to see them with my own eyes. I was driving. I apologize. Would you like to see the pictures? I would love to see his pictures. Did okay. he do any fun faces? Do we no, have any? no oh. The Rock? All right. I tried really hard, oh. y'all, to make him. Or to convince him that he should do his The Rock face. Yep. No. Can you smell what The Rock is baking? baking? (laughs) He's so cute. Oh, he's so handsome. Oh my god, he looks so grown up. Oh. How do I switch it? Is this just a screenshot? No, you just have to exit. You have to the X and then click on another one. Oh. Oh. You are my sunshine. My only sunshine. Oh, you can click on the little dots at the bottom and it'll switch. Cool. Oh, kindergarten, here I come. Nuh-uh. <laughs> oh, my God. He's in a little Catholic <laughs> gown. Oh, my God. In the my favorite one is the one him of him holding the diploma. The what? Diploma. <laughs> that is cute. He looks adorable. He does. He did a good job. Oh, he did. He did so good. He fake smiled in some. Yes. Because you know he was bored. Um, yeah, the diploma is a fake smile. The diploma is cute, but that's a fake smile. They're all fake smiles after the first one. Yeah, I say the first one's real. He's so sweet. And the rest of them are, I'm done now. I did my due diligence. Yes, I took one picture. That is what mommy said I had to do, and I am done here. This is a pretty good smile. Oh, that one I did like. This is the one that I did multiples of. He's so cute. I did this one, the 8x10 for that. Because he's so cute. He's just so little. God, he's so little. He is. Oh, he's so sweet, though. He's also just playing with the sun. They gave him a sun to hold up for... Yeah. And he's playing with it, so... Yeah. I mean, this seems fair. He was so bored. Hi, Lavender. Lavender is also bored with us right now. But you're going to have to put up with us for a little while longer. We're not done. Oh, my gosh. So... Um, I know that by the time this episode comes out, my mom will already be back yeah, home. Yeah, but she's coming to visit. Yeah, my mom is coming in two days, and we have a bunch of stuff planned. I'm super excited. Um, what are you most excited for? I really am excited for the Arboretum. You're doing that on Thursday, right? Yes. Yep, we're going to do the Arboretum, and then um, after the Arboretum, we want to get pedicures. Oh. So... I was like, my mom, we were talking about potentially going, I said I needed to get my nails done. And she was like, oh, well, I want to get 
I would go get my, like a pedicure, like my toes done. And I was like, okay, great. Um, well I could do my toes too. Um, I was basically trying to say like, oh, you'll do your toes. I'll do my hands because I needed my nails done, but I went today to do them. Cause she's like, why wouldn't you want a pedicure? And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I'll take a pedicure. I'm not going to turn one down. Um, so we're going to do that. But we decided we would go after we spend all day walking in the Arboretum so that the pedicure feels like extra good. It will feel real good. Yeah. So. Are you going in Dallas to get it done? I'm thinking we'll come back like this way. That way we can get Jack after school, right? Are we not getting him? My dad's getting him. Okay, great. Then maybe. (laughs) I don't know where we'll go. Yeah, no. Yeah. My dad's picking him up and dropping him off. Okay. Um, Uh, I can't wait for my car. Yes. Oh my God. I can't wait for you to have your car too. Anyways. Hi. So how was COVID for you? Um, COVID sucked y'all. Like how'd you handle it? Um, listen, (laughs) to begin with, um, all I did was sleep. And so that was great. Sleeping was nice. Even though I woke up in a pool of sweat and had to wash multiple sets of sheets. Um, yeah, it was pretty gross. Uh, but the doctor said that my lungs were good, so I felt good about that. Now I have a persistent cough, uh, that we will have had to cut out of a lot of this episode. Um, the thing I did not, (laughs) the thing I did not anticipate was, um, the mental effects that would happen. Like, I get really overwhelmed really easily right now. Um, I maybe had to call Sarah uh, FaceTime her during uh, a work day the other day because I could not handle life. Her mouse was just too much. No, my mouse was in my defense. When I was, <laughs> when I was clicking the left click, it was doing the right click action, like bringing up the sub menu every single time. And I was like, why, why, why are you doing this? And so I might've taken my mouse and Unplugged it and tried to throw it at the wall and I I missed and it hit laundry. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I tried to throw it at the wall because I was real frustrated and then it hit the laundry and it, so, you know, that was good because it's the only mouse I have. Um, it was just a mess. Um, I was not having a good time. I got very easily overwhelmed, like... I literally sobbed at my desk, like could not understand how I was going to continue doing work. Um, and all I had done was sign in like for the morning. Was that Friday? Yeah. Yeah. That was my first like full day back at work. It did not go great. No. You no. had to take an extended lunch, right? Yeah. I took an extended lunch so that I could take a nap and I slept for three hours. Yeah. Like I was beat. It was awful. Um, yeah, I worked a full day today and I literally had to go through like reports that I have to do every single week. I had to look at my instructions and go step by step to make sure that I was doing it right because I was not confident I was doing it right. It was a very weird feeling. Yeah, it's because you're still... I mean, she couldn't exit out of GarageBand when we opened up the computer. To be fair, I had to force quit that motherfucker. That has never happened to me before. She didn't handle it well, guys. No. Like, I get real easily frustrated. Like, 
when this was first happening on Friday, um, I talked to my mom and she's like, do you want me to reschedule my trip? And I'm just sitting there going, okay, listen, I know I'm not handling things right, like really well right now, but in all reality, I want my mommy. So (laughs) I need you to not cancel that trip because I need like a parent with me right now. (laughs) I need supervision. I need someone to take care of me. Like it is in these moments when like I get sick um, and I don't get sick often. I really don't. Not to the point where I feel like, God, I wish someone else could help take care of me. But like COVID is definitely one of those things. Like I didn't want to get up and make any sort of food for myself. And like people offered, like you guys offered to bring me food. I had a coworker a couple towns over offer to bring me food. Um, a coworker of mine sent me groceries. Like, that's so nice. Yeah. Like I had a community of people around me who love me and helped get me through this. But like, oh my God, it sucked. It yeah. was really isolating. I remember when, uh, yeah, I mean, I came to your house and told you to keep your dirty self the fuck away from yeah, me. Yeah, you came over and borrowed my car and just said, stay out, get away from me. I oh my did. God, and then I drank your fucking smoothie like an yes. idiot. I felt so bad. I didn't care. No, um, I know. And I was telling BJ about it, um, and he was like, oh, that makes sense. Because you left your smoothie in the car um, and forgot to bring it in, and he was at first like, oh my God, these things are expensive. Like, I can't believe she left this. And then I explained what happened. He goes, oh, that makes perfect sense. That's cool. <laughs> that's that's fine. He is a hypochondriac germaphobe, so. Yeah. So he totally understood. Also, I found straws. I knew I had some. I have a pack. Where were they? They're in the little skinny drawer next to the sink. Oh. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. They're at the back. We looked everywhere. We did. We looked in one drawer. I was scared. I was like, we say everywhere. I looked in one drawer. That's like I told BJ I looked everywhere for the chewy box. (laughs) (laughs) We looked outside and then we looked at the boxes readily in front of us and we were like, it's not here. (laughs) I was like, oh, let me check one more place. Yeah. And then I looked, I was like, it's here. (laughs) Look at that. It had been in my laundry room for like three weeks. Yeah, dude. Since your birthday. Since my birthday. Yes. It was very heavy. It was it was very heavy. But like that was hilarious. We're both looking around, we're like, it just doesn't exist. It's not right here in the front hallway or in the front like alcove. It's not here. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. So we searched the whole house. Yeah, we did. No. No. We searched one Literally. half of one room. <laughs> we didn't even turn around in that room. No. No. Really then bad. I walked into the laundry room and They're I was gone. like, I knew I saw a two box in here. Yeah. I just always assume a chewy box in the laundry room is cat litter. litter. Yeah. Always. It wasn't. It was my dog's food. Sure. Sure shit didn't have any. So. Which is hilarious because a couple times when you were here and thought you didn't have food. I did. There's a giant bag. Just 50 pound bag. Just chilling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her 50 pound bag should be coming tomorrow. I appreciate chewy. Yeah. Me too. I mean, except for the one time I had to have FedEx hold it, and they held it at a Walgreens, and then a poor child had to lift it up on the ass. Oh my god, that was so funny, though. I felt so bad for it. She was struggling so hard. I want to be like, sweetie, do you want me to come around and get it? Because you're, you're making sounds. Yeah. Like, this is... Poor child. Like, 
I can't wait to get his school pictures though back. Like, yeah, actually get them back and not lose them because he's not allowed to touch them. Yeah, no. He'll he lost the flexing ones. Can you order more copies? Is yeah, it the same ex- photographer? Yeah, it's expensive. How how, ex- how expensive? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, mm-hmm. Aunt Aunt Samantha doesn't have children. <laughs> she, she wants to buy just the maybe. You're hilarious. Literally, those were taken in October. Can you believe that? October till now. Yeah. And he looked that different. Six months. Not even, because those were taken in March, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, 29th. Eighth. Why do you know that? Because I was with you when they told you the date, and I remembered, don't let them forget Jack needs a haircut before then. <laughs> I, no, I'm he, pretty sure it was March 29th. It was a Wednesday. Uh, he got a haircut and it looks like shit. Yeah, it doesn't look great. No, it's terrible. Yeah, what happened? I didn't take him. Fucking BJ. Yeah, no. One, we love you and all, but god damn it. One pose small prints. Oh, I guess I could do that. That's only $26. For how many copies? Two five by sevens and eight wallets. Perfect. $26. Yeah. That's way too expensive. It's a professional photo of your son flexing. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be worth its weight in gold when that kid's 18. I know. I think it's so funny. I'm um, like, I don't know that a 5 by seven's big enough. What else do you got? <laughs> I know. Only my son flexes. It's so for cute. For school photos. <laughs> it's so cute. Well, they let him do whatever he wanted. And he sure as shit did. Yeah. He's adorable. I'm obsessed with him. He said the other day, I miss Samantha and I miss Cheyenne. Mm. I was like, well, Samantha's been sick, so, you know. I know. That has also sucked. Like, I I mean, I get to see you guys, like, a couple times a week, at least. Like, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, number one, BJ was working here every day for quite some time, so, like, like, we got to be nice buddies. Not that we weren't before, but, you know, like, an everyday conversation. made a baby. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. I still make jokes to Holly about it. She doesn't think it's funny. Yeah. It, <laughs> it is very funny. Um, so, my dad, I don't know if I said this on the podcast last time. My dad texted me after he heard our last episode, and he was like, Oh my God, you slept with BJ? (laughs) He knew we were kidding, but it was so fucking funny that he, like, texted me that. Um, Yeah, so anyways, yes, BJ did work here, and you guys hung out, and then Lavender loves seeing him. Yeah, Lavender loves seeing anyone to come visit her. I mean, she's losing her shit right now, playing with Potter on me. Yeah, you can probably hear them, but we're not going to make them stop, because it's a lot of work. Yeah, and also, they're being fairly quiet right now, so I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. She's probably a lot of breathing in the background. Like, yeah. That's dogs. <laughs> yeah. So. Sorry about them. But also, fucking deal with it. We have to. We know why you're here. <laughs> you know we're crazy. Correct. And our lives are crazy. Oh my gosh, they are. But, oh my gosh, my mom and I are also going to go to a museum. Um, Which and one? So the Dallas Museum of Art. Oh. We're going to go there. It's right by that park that's over the interstate, the Clyde Warren Park, um, which is also right by the Nasser Sculpture Garden that we're going to go to. 
And there's this thing I've been wanting to do. It's similar to Meow Wolf in that it's got like neon colors everywhere. Um, but it's called the Sweet Tooth Hotel. Huh. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, I'll I'm look it up. Super excited. Yeah, you'll have to look it up. Um, I've been wanting to go here. I just keep forgetting about it. And so um, we're going to do that too. And I'm pretty pumped about that. Are you going to have your mom take your picture in front of that Taylor Swift? <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, that mural? <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Heck yeah. Yeah, we're going to do that for sure. It's right down there. Yeah. Ooh, and I think I want to make a babka for whenever you guys come over. You should. Just always have babka here. I mean, it's a big, long process, but yeah, I'm going to try to do that for, um, my mom wants me to make bagels for like breakfast too. And I'm like, um, babka is so much better, man. (laughs) You don't know yet, but babka is so good. It's so good. Yeah. So good fresh when you eat it like heathens. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would, that is what will await you. When you come over for dinner on, like, Saturday. Also, okay. I'm thinking si senors. That's what BJ said, yeah. 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 I was like, BJ was like, so what is your mom like? And I was like, that's a loaded question. What are you asking me? <laughs> and he's like, food. And I was like, oh, this is better. Great. Because I was like, dude, you're married and so is she. <laughs> <laughs> you're so stupid. Did he laugh? He, he did. He laughed a lot. He was like, oh, my God. And I was like, well, you asked what she's like. He's like, no, I asked what she likes. Um, yeah, so I said, see, senoras would be totally fine. Did that just say Taryn Egerton? Fuck yeah. Oh, I'm watching that. Sorry. I love Taryn Egerton. Oh, the dogs are now playing on me. Oh, no. It's so sad. Stop making that face. I'm going to throw something out of yours. Listen, it was really hot. It actually is really hot right now. I turned, it is toasty. I turned off the air because it was cold on the couch. Oh, the air was on? Yeah. Oh. You were under the blanket. Yeah, because it was cold. Yeah, the air was on. <laughs> Who does that? Me. It was not that hot today. It was hot earlier in this house. Oh. I turned the oven on to make pizza, and it was the worst. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our oven doesn't work, so. Oh, still? Still. So they said they fixed the heating element. They didn't. Great. It heated up to not even 100 degrees. It sat at 100. You know when you turn it on, it says 100 yeah. automatically? Sat there for an hour and a half. Christ. I could have put my child in there. He'd been fine. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have been like, is the pool open? <laughs> we didn't test it. But. <clears throat> pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the pool opens here May 6th, by the way. Exciting. And I have a key. Even more exciting. <laughs> so, yeah. You guys are welcome to come over and go to the pool. That sounds like fun. Yeah. What are you eating? Um, I don't He's just licking wood. That's upsetting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, great talk. <laughs> Great to see you. I feel like we have to like end these because otherwise every time, like one time we ended on me saying like great about something being titty-licious. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. We gotta end somehow. So. Okay. So we're going to end it now, guys. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Um, like our show description says, if you laughed once, please share this with a friend that would also, uh, that could also use a laugh. <laughs> okay, Bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you for joining us on the Doom Crew today. We hope you enjoyed our spooky and humorous take on true crime. As always, we want to remind you to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Doom Crew Podcast. 
And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve the show and reach more listeners who share our spooky sense of humor. So until next time, stay curious, stay spooky, and remember to always look over your shoulder. This has been the Doom Crew, signing Signing off. off. Can we just do one fucking take? (laughs) 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 No! Please, baby.